bit later. Um, I want to say first off, thank you to Slum for uh, resubscribing. Um, welcome back to the Nor Club Tier One subscription. I appreciate it. Uh, there's your tip. Uh, what else did I miss? How's it going, by the way? Six dead mice. I see that you're playing Swotor again. Sith Warrior, probably. I know people are really high on the Imperial Agent storyline, and I've tried it. Um, so I did it all the way through on once, and then I, th I think I was trying to do it another way through, but this time trying to play a different approach. I did Lawful kind of evil the first time, so I was going to try something different the second time. I don't know. The Sith Warrior playstyle and the storyline for me was just better, man. It just... Without like having spoilers, I feel like there's... like higher stakes obviously it's like they favored it because um one thing about um bioware in regard regards to swotor is like ea kind of wanted them to follow star wars like traditions and i think this was probably more you know the star wars ip i should say but ea had the star wars ip so they obviously had to enforce it um and what i mean by that is that like they kind of realized that um the Darth Vader archetype was the Sith warrior, basically, right? So that's why it has such a big focus in its budget. And the Jedi Knight was Luke Skywalker. That's why the Jedi Knight uh, story, by comparison, um, has so much packed into it. And the same thing applies to... Um, uh, what's another one that's good like that? The Imperial Agent is a, and the Smuggler are both pretty good ones. And the reason being that they got... Um, particularly talented writers to write those. In fact, um, the Imperial Agent writer wrote something else that was pretty entertaining as well. It might have been a TV show or like a, some kind of script. But um, the Imperial Agent story is definitely good, but the Sith Warrior one, just from the perspective that it's Darth Vader, was just bigger, you know? There's an original pitch. I remember all th uh, the failed third-party ones. I'm planning on beating them all. Hey, like the only ones I haven't beaten personally are the Trooper, which I'm just sorry. I think it's boring. <laughs> um, like the story just seems boring to me. Um, and then I haven't beaten the um, Counselor, but I got to like level 20 something, I want to say, like 21, maybe 22. That might have been the Alderaan. I, I can't remember. It might have been, I might have been at whatever level Alderaan was, maybe like mid 20s. Um, but all the other ones I've beat. And in fact, the Inquisitor, I beat twice. The Imperial Agent, I've almost beaten twice. The Smuggler, I've played through um, as a dark side kind of the, I, I would call it the pirate approach. That's It's the pirate uh, ending. I, I liked it a lot. That one was really entertaining. Um, so I recommend the Smuggler. I recommend the Sith Warrior. I recommend the Imperial Agent. If you like a good B action movie, I do recommend The Bounty Hunter. It can be cheesy, but you just have to just like go with it. Pretend you're an action hero. Um, and as for the um, Sith Inquisitor, it's fun to play if you play it just for like the dialogue and the options that you can do, like shocking people, for example. Um, but I can't hide my distaste for the fact that I think the story is probably weaker than the other ones are um considerably i would even say you're kind of like ghostbusters basically to put it in a a blunt way and um i don't know i that was the first one i ever played back in alpha of the game right like <laughs> that was the first class i had kind of stuck to besides the bounty hunter i should say maybe the bounty hunter then that class came so maybe i didn't play that one until close beta then but i can't, I can't remember it's been so long now but um 
Yeah, I beat that one, I think, three days it took me to get to max level. Three days and 18 hours or three days and 19 hours. I can't remember exactly, but I, I was pretty fast a max level character in Swotor. And the Imperial um, Inquisitor, sorry, the Sith Inquisitor was my, my play style, actually. I played the Assassin. And um, one of my favorite things to do in MMOs, and I've talked about this before, including like in my uh, meta video, which is just like I've talked about the concept of um, taking tried and true kind of meta breakers and applying them to different MMOs actually can have like a lot of translation. And what I mean by that is like the concept of a tanky DPS is actually a very broad concept. But I take that concept to pretty much every MMO I play in some way or fashion, at least in one of my characters, just because I know it's very, uh, it's a very effective archetype. Think of like a bruiser in a MOBA, right? Like um, the playstyle where you're very tanky, you're hard to kill, but you can still definitely kill somebody if they're not careful. And maybe you even have the ability to take somebody out in a one versus one scenario. So it's like um, in some cases you can even wear heavy armor and then have like a two-handed sword, for example, which would like augment your ability to survive, but also augment your ability to uh, DPS. And so that's kind of what the Knight of the Blazing Sun uh, was in um, Warhammer Online, the Chosen, right? Uh, the, the kind of mirror classes. You could play them with their auras and stuff and swap auras, but then you also had the armors and you had the two-handed weapon if you wanted to. And you could use that to do a lot of damage. I mean, the Night of the Blazing Sun didn't do as much damage as the Chosen. That's for damn sure. The Chosen did spirit damage with Rind, which was, like, insane. And back then, just ripped through all of your armor. Um, but uh, anyway, the point being, like, Hanky DPS has been an archetype for a long time. And it's something that you can play in any game. So, you, like, even in Swotor, for example, you could play any pretty much any of the classes that are tanks as DPS. And... Um, I recommend people try that out sometime when you're playing an MMO, whatever it is, whether it be an old school one or a newer one. Play a tank class, but maybe build yourself like DPS, and you'll find a lot of success doing it. I'm, maybe people will complain if you're a PvEer, right? Because like they'll say like, "Oh, you're you're not that good at tanking, and you're not that good at DPSing." So like being a hybrid isn't as good in PvE scenarios, at least currently, because like things are very stagnant. I would say static is a better word. <laughs> static and stagnant but um static for sure but in pvp having the ability to be a hybrid is actually extremely effective and and sometimes is almost always the most effective class even because having the ability to heal yourself and do damage for example has always been a really strong archetype as well so that's another one you can look for in a game is like a character who can heal themselves and do decent damage to somebody else is always like a killer like uh, think of the medic in global agenda think of the um the warrior priest and, and warhammer or the um, think of the shaman or even the rune priest to a lesser extent um think uh what are some different classes think of the combat medic in galaxies think of the um paladin in um wow later on the dk you know so there's some different kind of like hybrid options there that ended up being very effective right uh druid as well right i can't believe i forgot druid i played so much druid a rift is a great example of that as well. Man, I wish there was like a class. Is there any classic rift servers like where you can go back and play Storm Legion? Is that a thing? Because man, I'd actually be like semi interested to do that just because I I enjoyed the combat in that game and I enjoyed the fact that you could level from PvP. In fact, I think it might have been one of the first games that you generally could do that. Like Warhammer allowed you to do it back in the day, but it was not very effective at all. Anyone who says otherwise is just crazy. <laughs> like maybe you're talking about Return of Reckoning has changed the rates, but back then. 
leveling from pvp was so slow i know because i did scenarios literally all the time like religiously and i had ranking down 40 plus characters i think the highest I ever got was 63 so like i was a scenario grinder and yeah it was it was a grind um to level from that even just renown wise uh xp wise whatever you think they have a legacy server uh, yeah who knows you still have a box copy of the storm legion somewhere i would totally love to do like if someone had like a, a running server of a storm legion like i'd love to do just like a playthrough with some people like try and get people from the community to check it out kind of thing like that'd be awesome i don't know i just isn't isn't rift such a shame it's like i know we can have our criticisms of it being like very much a copycat in some ways despite trying to be very like um competitive with wow directly so in some cases I think it did have some unique systems that it kind of got from like Tabula Rasa, for example, like the idea of like zone flipping and switching and renown and stuff like that affecting like uh, your ability to travel and what what you could do in a certain zone, like the your access to content um, and the idea of leveling from PvP. I think these are aspects that Rift kind of realized that WoW didn't really do and didn't do the best job of and also WoW didn't have like public quests at the time and well, Rift got those from Warhammer, of course. Um, so Rift got a lot of really good ideas that it stole from other places and, and, and Hey, it ain't stealing if, um, it's not art if you ain't stealing, right? Like what's the point in reinventing everything? Like everything is not like in this day and age, there's very few things you can invent, right? Like things have already been done before. So you're basically just doing it in a different way, like a different interpretation, maybe with like different things combined with it. So it's like a different circumstance ultimately, but Generally speaking, it's still like the same thing, right? In in an isolated instance, you aren't an Azeroth anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, because they actually had a lot of aspects that WoW had in the past that people tend to. Yeah, that's that's true. They actually had raiding as well. Raiding was a big focus in that in Storm Legion as well. And in fact, raiding was um was a pretty fun experience. I never really personally got involved in it, but I remember everybody talking about it when i played the game like it was like clearly a big focus for people huge guilds were dedicated towards it i remember like 100 people guilds were like gearing up to do like rift um raids and shit like that so like yeah i, th I thought that they um i thought that they did a good job um with rift uh, through storm legion and i think it's just a shame that after that once tryon um ultimately realized how much money could be made from xl games's handling of arcage i think that fundamentally changed the company i like i truly believe that's kind of how it happened i don't have like all the evidence in the world i mean i do have the timeline of events that it matches it but i could just say that that's confirmation bias obviously because just because it flows in a certain time of events doesn't necessarily mean my conclusion is correct but it seems like after tryon had experience working with xl games they realized how much money you could make from microtransactions and they started microtransactioning the shit out of all of their games. It wasn't just Arcage. They did it to all of their games. And people that played Rift at that time, remember, you could buy raid gear, but it was the previous set before. And so how they got around saying it wasn't pay to win was that, well, you're buying power, but you're not buying the best power, right? So like they kind of moved the goalpost a little bit and people took it a little bit. But then they started saying, well, we're not even going to invent a new piece of jewelry. And the old piece of jewelry is still buyable on the shop, which technically means it's best in slot. So then their own logic didn't hold up anymore, right? And so then it became best in slot, but it was kind of like a workaround, right? Like they could kind of trick people like that. And so, yeah, try one way or another, exactly, Limpos, whether my hypothesis or rather theory is true, Tryon got really money hungry and you could definitely tell, like, because they were doing really well with Storm Legion. Like Rift was trending upward. 
And then it was just like they kept dropping bomb after bomb after bomb of like bad decision with regards to how they were trying to monetize the game overly so and cash shops and all of this stuff that they had learned basically from Korea. <laughs> Jake Song, the guy that invented Lineage, the guy that invented um, Archage, um, the guy that was behind, weirdly enough, this is so strange to say, he he helped create Nexon and yet he is now one of the big wigs at NCSoft, right? It's so... Or was a big wig at NCSoft, I should say, for a long time. It's so, like, confusing his history. But Jake Song, like, anyone who knows his history, um, which I need to make a video, honestly, just about Jake Song. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, he's super interesting. When I talked to Richard Garriott, he kept telling me about uh, Jake Song being super interesting. So, um, yeah, I think that says something. Out of topic, but Archage Unchained, Death of a Game win. I think that uh, I'd have to take a better look at its numbers and kind of things, like, and, and look into it deeper to kind of get an idea of it, but I'm not rushing towards it, I guess, ultimately. Um, it's a shame that that game, I think, ultimately, I think a lot of us kind of realize maybe it's just kind of flawed to the core, and I think that, that sucks, but um, it's fun in some ways, but I think largely the entirety of the game, like, when you put it all together, it just isn't that fun for... I guess a lot of us because you could argue that it's the way it's handled, but I think that that's just a moot point at this point because clearly the game has been, they've tried to handle it in a bunch of different ways. They've tried a excuse me, a subscription model. They tried a microtransactions. They tried one where they had like a fresh start, like where they changed all like the labor, like they've tried so many different ways. So like at this point, I feel like it's a bit naive to say that the it's not the game's problem. You know what I'm saying? It's just the companies that are handling them. I'm not trying to defend, you know, uh, Gamago and stuff like that. Because honestly, I had a horrible time working with them as well. Like, I did one video and they gave me a referral code. And, like, I got a couple of buys on it. I think I got maybe, like, $160 worth, right, for whenever I was playing the game. And they took me, like, months to pay. And they kept asking me the same information over and over again. Like, okay, what's the account number? What's the amount? And I'm like, do you guys not have all of this information already? Like, why do I have to keep giving you all of this information? So, like, I had bad experiences uh, working with them in the little way that I did just from referral codes. So then, like, after that, I was just like, okay, well, then I can't support this game. So they emailed me, like, a million times. And I straight up told them, like, I'm not interested. They still email me, dude. So it's just like... Some of these companies, like, um, that's just kind of how they operate, you know? Like, they don't care if they ruin certain relationships. They'll just try and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And uh, even if it's if it ruins the relationship, right? Because like, we're definitely, like, I'm not going to work with Gameco ever again, that's for sure. Because I didn't work with them, right? Everyone had access to a referral code. It's just that they um, gave me the ability to get access to the game and close beta, right? So I was under NDA. I went into closed beta. So they did give me, you know, priority access, if you want to put it that way. So that was my relationship with them. But past that point, they kept trying to ask me to do sponsored, like, videos and, and, and like, reviews and stuff like that. And I kept telling them that I wasn't interested. And it was just, like, working with companies like that, like Gamago, was much like Tryon, where it's just, like, they don't really care about the creators. They just want the creators to, like, sell the product to their audience. But, you know... Some creators, like myself, like, if we can't support the game ourselves, it's hard for us to sell it to other people. Like, I'm sure my bank account wishes that it would be easier. <laughs> but it's just, 
if I'm not going to be able to play it, in fact, Limpos in chat, we tried playing it one time, even, I think Huel as well, like, a couple of us tried playing it, and, like, we we all had issues, like, gank groups just running around trying to gank everybody, and I think, like, um, Pin Zero uh, said it best, yeah, Pin Zero's in chat, I remember he said, like, Arcage feels like that game that you're trying to get ganked on, like, getting ganked is the goal of the game, <laughs> you know, like, like, ganking and griefing people is literally the point of the game. Like, you realize that after a while. Up until a zone is no longer at war. And then you move on to the next zone, and you do it again. <laughs> it's just hilarious that, like, that is the game in a nutshell. And, it, and it, anyway, um, so sometimes we realize, like, some games kind of are flawed to a certain core, right? It's not just a matter of the company that's operating them. But I don't believe Rift was a game that was flawed to the core, is what I'm trying to say. I believe it was just Tryon. I think Tryon ran that game into the ground. And it's a shame that when Gamago acquired Rift, they basically haven't done shit since. I wish somebody else could pick up Rift um, and acquire that license. And shit, if I, had the, if I had a blank check right now and I could just sign it, I'd do it myself. And I'd say, hey, let's go back to Storm Legion. Hey, let's start back then. Let's just like tune these into like the best experience that we can. Because look at how much longevity Classic had. And it's the old experiences. So you could do the same thing with Storm Legion, you know? Like, so, like, anyway. Time to kill Crucia again. They saw the money after Arcage. I definitely think so. They just had a paid DLC in Arcage Unchained after saying they won't ask for more money. Yeah, see, I mean, just, like, these companies, these corporate uh, companies like Gamago, and, like, Card and I looked into their financials, and we know how they operate as a company. They basically, when they acquire a game, which they do all the time, they acquire games, they then calculate what their return on their investment needs to be, and they put as little money into the game as possible and, and try and maximize the amount of money they make from it. And they do a damn good job of it. They're a very successful company in Germany, and um, they make a lot of money in different regions, like uh, Russia as well. Like They're a company that is very successful, even though they have MMOs that maybe you've never heard of, right? So um, when they got access to Arcage, it was like the gold mine for them. They had the perfect opportunity to say all the right things and say everything was going to be all right. But whenever I was testing the game in the beta, I was telling the audience, hey, this game is not ready. Like I was telling people on my stream, this game is not ready. And they're still asking me to do sponsored videos, by the way, which is hilarious. It shows you how disconnected they are. Nobody even watches your content. But I was literally telling people this game is unfinished. There's problems. I, I remember telling people... They just added the battle pass in the actual game. And because they added the battle pass in the game, like during the closed beta part, it hadn't even been finished yet, meaning it didn't even work fully yet. And they were going to launch the game like a week or two after that with the battle pass, which, by the way, ended up being problematic. Remember, everyone ended up exploiting it because they could just use it to get a bunch of gold. So it's like you could literally see all of that shit coming, but. Ultimately, for them, does it really matter all that much if they can still make the certain amount of money that they can make from it? You know, it's a calculated risk. It's a calculated kind of decision. Then sold gold packs for fresh servers, and then a day before fresh servers said that they lowered... Yeah, that's true. They, they lowered prices back uh, that, the, the, that the pack gave. That's true. They did do that, and those companies do that a lot. And I think people need to wake up a bit when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, just because, like, when a game has a cash shop, don't ever think that the game is on your side. If you if you have this argument that well, games have to make money, that's true, right? Every game has to make money, but it doesn't mean they have to reach into your back pocket and take your wallet out while you're not looking, right? Like, to put it in an analogy, like 
It doesn't mean that that's the only way they can take your money. <clears throat> they can be up front. They can tell you what the what the rates are in the loot box. Like, what percentages are you going to get on a certain drop? They can tell you these things. Why don't they, right? You have to wake up a bit, right? They don't because, well, they don't want you to know that stuff, right? Remember when somebody calculated in Battlefront 2, um, the Star Wars uh, EA version, I should say, how long it would take to unlock everything? And I think somebody said it was like months of game time. <laughs> It was like, wasn't it months of game time? You guys remember that? It was like, what? <sighs> Being upfront means less people want to spend because they realize the odds are shit. Exactly. Simply put, when the bean counters call the shots, it's all about the return on investment. In my opinion, you need the artists and the bean counters to share the power. I think that's obviously where the problem occurs. It's like MMOs are so expensive. So like, it's hard not to get funding if you don't have bean counters. Like you kind of, to a certain extent, you have to, right? And it doesn't mean that all, you know, publishing companies that have lots of money or the money to fund big projects necessarily go about it in the same way, but many of them do, right? Because they're corporations, it means that they're driven towards profit. So it's like they can't help it but keep be driven towards profit, especially when, like, culturally speaking, in many of these companies, because America believes in absolute profit in, in corporation, which means, like, you're always going to have a return on investment, which is really unsustainable right and so like trying to operate mmos in the short term with that mentality ends up basically running them into the ground before they even get off the the their feet and that's why so many of them failed right away right it's like trying to monetize too much trying to to play the short-term game when the only way you can really play the game with mmos in the truest sense right massive multiplayer online rpg um i should add uh is playing the long game because that's kind of the point of the game right long-term investment long-term interactions uh repeated interactions making friends uh being in a guild or an alliance right forming enemies whatever kinds of relationships like trade agreements like these different things that form from from time invested and time that doesn't just happen overnight it's not like mmos weren't designed originally to be the game that you could just lick a button and it loaded you into an instance and you were ready to go like they were never designed that way like the original mmos none of them were designed in that way so like that was something that obviously came from the influence from other games of course and has been helpful in certain respects i will certainly say i, I don't believe it's all bad to have those sorts of things in a game but the point is is like the games were originally designed for long-term longevity and so if a corporation is just looking at the short-term profit well you can see how that can be very problematic right and I've talked to a developer in the field, one of my contacts um, that I've mentioned before, um, who's worked on um, Wildstar, worked at SOE, um, actually worked uh, on Galaxies as well, worked on APB. And he told me that, like, very much that's kind of how it goes, right? Like, in regards to how these, um, these games are funded. Like, with certain games, um, whenever you take a certain amount of funding on, you're, you're basically... In order to get that money otherwise, you'd be unable to. So whenever they write you a blank check like EA did to SWOTOR, um, Bioware rather, on SWOTOR um, for 100, 200 million, right? There's strings attached, right? Like that's why there was so much cutting of the staff and that's why it was seen as such a big failure from EA, right? It was because like they'll give you the funding, as my uh, contact would say, but it's basically like giving you the rope to kind of hang yourself with if you if you mess up. And so like SWOTOR is not one of those stories actually, surprisingly, despite what it might seem, where it's just negligence. 
by EA's part. I know EA gets a bad rep, but that's just like a good example actually of kind of what I'm saying. Like, even though these corporations can be like bad and definitely operate largely in ways that aren't the best, right? Where like they'll fire people on a whim, they don't need a reason, like they'll drop a game right away, they won't let you sell the IP, like they can do shady shit like that, right? Which is like you can argue is not right. But a lot of the time is um how are you going to get the money otherwise to work on a certain game? And it's like you wouldn't. And so at the end of the day, when they write you that check, um, it's basically saying like, hey, you have to make this work. The problem is, is where the lack of knowledge comes into play. And that's why there's been so many mishandled uh, games in the MMO space from the publisher's perspective. And it's just because like Sony Online Entertainment, the company that operated like a stable of dozens of MMOs was owned by a picture company. <laughs> a movie company, an entertainment company. So like a company that didn't even have experience with games, right? So like when you realize like a lot of these big corporations, the people don't even play video games in them that run these companies. And so like the guy who brought, I remember I told the story, the guy who brought along the change for the NGE didn't even play the game in Galaxies. He didn't even play games. <laughs> like he didn't even play games. So like think about that. Like, at the highest level, you have people who are making decisions about a game who have never, ever even played the game or like have never even maybe even played a game, period. And in fact, I was just talking to one of my contacts on a different project and um, one of the projects I'm about to cover, actually. And he told me the same exact thing. Right. He told me the same thing. That it's 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 like it's not out of the question that whenever the people who are making these big decisions to, to add a certain feature into a game at the highest level, you'd actually be surprised. It comes from somebody who actually doesn't even have experience. They're like, that's why there's a lot of this, what you call incongruence whenever you look at certain products or certain companies where it seems like they're trying to say one thing, but it's kind of the other thing. It's, it's largely because of that, right? Like incongruence comes from a place of where you're like, you don't actually understand the product, so it's hard for you to sell it. And so the reason why I bring that up is because Although these companies were writing big checks to work on MMOs, they had no idea how to look at the investment and how long it would take to get the investments and also what it would take to actually work on these games and how much money. So like ultimately speaking, many of the times these games failed was because these big corporations pulled the plug too early, essentially, right? Um, and so like, I think that that's another big problem that happened and it's a large reason why you don't see a big, you know, we haven't seen a AAA MMO launch in the past six years. So like, when you think about it in that perspective, there hasn't been a corporation who's wanted to launch one in six years, right? So, like, maybe there's some still behind the scenes. Obviously, we know that Amazon's working on a couple of games right now, two in particular. We know that there's a bunch of other rogue studios that have started up from old guys from ArenaNet, all the way from Riot, all the way from, um, uh, what was one of the other studios? I can't even remember. It was one of the other big studios. I think a couple of... Um, devs from uh eve online it was the one with the eve online devs uh there's been a lot of studios starting in games like that are kind of getting funding and coming off the ground and maybe starting their kickstarters and stuff like that but like we haven't seen a triple a mmo you know uh it's, it's crazy actually eso came out before wildstar which is like really confusing but uh <laughs> it's true <laughs> Dongate is a pretty good example. Dongate was a MOBA that was bankrolled by EA a while back. 
they ended up canceling the game before it even got out of open beta phase. It was kind of hilarious how fast they pulled the plug on that one. Yeah, what was interesting about Dongate is I actually knew a developer on that one. I think I think ESO came out in 2013. Let me see. It, it might be 2014. Maybe the beta was 2013. Uh, okay, yeah, so the beta, which is when I played, was 2013. So no wonder why I said in my video it came out in 2013, because I was saying, like, I had played it in 2013. But no, um, he's right. Six Dead Mice is right. It, um, it came out uh, April 4th, uh, 2014. Oh, sorry, that was um, Elex, I said then. <laughs> uh, last beta was December 2013. Yeah, I remember that. And, it, and, and see, like, in my experience, like, I enjoyed the beta. Like, it was... The game didn't perform that well. Like, let me just be straight up. In fact, it performed pretty horrible. Hero Engine, congrats, guys. And Mafia. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, it it um it it had potential. I don't know. It's funny. People were hard on the game back then, but like for me, it was really just the performance. Like, I didn't mind the game as much, and I liked that it was kind of like very PvP centric with the factions and stuff. Um, unfortunately, many people obviously hated the performance that the graphics were horrible which i mean i could kind of see where they're coming from i don't care about graphics but i can see that they're looking at it from like the skyrim perspective right so there was a lot of heat that um eso faced early on for that but once tamriel unlimited happened which was i think um in 2015 that's when it just everything changed right the whole game changed really and at that point i think it stopped being massive really and started to be more um multiplayer online rpg kind of on a smaller scale and um that it i would say that that was a, a really good move actually especially because they have a business model where they basically have every single business model like i always describe it as like the five you know gym gauntlet of uh mi microtransactions of thanos like they have the entirety of that and yet nobody seems to really care and the game is still super popular so yeah, I just read right now. It says um, the game has sold more than 15 million copies by 2020, and it has about 2.5 million actives. The Infinity Cash Gauntlet, exactly. People expected it to be Skyrim Online, absolutely. And look, I'll be honest. Like I said, maybe that's why I enjoyed it at first is I didn't have that expectation. When I when I was playing it in the beta, I actually enjoyed the fact that you had the factions and you had to like choose which one, and it was you know like I enjoyed that personally. But I can understand how it was problematic because the game was not... It didn't have its, like, um, you-can-go-everywhere scale level system. It was very tiered. And so the problem that they were having was they were trying to bring people back into the game who had quit before because a lot of people came in and then quit. But they weren't able to play with their friends. And so their game was dying. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The ESL was not going to do well. Um, nearing the end of 2014, going into 2015, wasn't doing well. But then when they did Tamriel Unlimited, it really just like completely turned the game around. So like as much as I, I've talked about this before, as much as I can criticize uh, what happened then and how it kind of, to me, turned the game into more of like a monochromatic, everyone's the same color type of game, which to me is not really an MMO. It's more like a multiplayer online game. Um, I totally understand why they did it and why they ended up scaling everything. Yeah, I can definitely say that I still hate the combat no matter what. And I hated it back then. I just, I can't remember why the combat felt different when I first played it, but it might've just been because I was so new to the game, you know, who knows?
Yeah, I remember whenever we were doing the um the siege battles, Elex, and uh like I would just run around as a solo because whenever I would try and be in the big groups, I would lag so much because my computer wasn't that great at the time. <laughs> so I would just solo PK, but I had a really fun time solo PKing in Cyrodiil. So like I've tried to make ESO work, man, but I just feel like they've they transitioned to the game maybe more towards something that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. So I'm still in the process of reviewing and playing Albion, but after I do Albion, it's very likely that I'm going to do ESO just because I don't think Kant is coming out any excuse me anytime soon for Guild Wars 2. So that pretty much puts me at like what am I going to cover next? And I wanted to cover Final Fantasy 14, but they're going to delay their main story rework patch or whatever. So I should wait anyway. How's it going, Scribble? Yeah, that's still the case in Cyrodiil. PvP got more fun with the battlegrounds because no lag. Um, by the way, thank you for subscribing, Keel. That's 15 months with Prime. Here's your tip. Welcome back to the Nor Club. Can you watch the latest Ashes AMA at 34 minutes where Steven talks about how he doesn't need pre-orders? Sure. Sounds interesting. I think I might have even... Uh, let's see... The main story rework will be released on the 11th of this month? Or, or sorry, <laughs> this month. We're going back in time? No, just kidding. Uh, what month? Alright, so this is the one from a day ago, right? Here it is. Man, this is like playing through somebody else's thing. I can't hear anything. Let me find a better a better one. Here it is. Anytime I look up the combat in this game, I end up with footage of the Battle Royale apocalypse giving feedback. It is, it is so important. And I'm not talking about, you know, pre-ordering the game. I don't, I, I do not care if people pre-order the game. It doesn't affect the, essentially, it doesn't affect our, our project from a budget standpoint. Um, you know, like I said, I'm personally funding the project to completion, so it, that's not the issue. The issue is having people engaged and discussing their experiences and also giving feedback on our design principles. That's what's important. Um, you know, yeah, I can't stress that enough. Uh, okay, and, and to hmm. be fair, by the way, Interesting. I, I get a lot of messages I get a lot of, I read a lot of the uh, Discord and I go on Discord often and talk with people. I jump in voice chat sometimes. I watch almost every content creator who creates content around the game when I'm like getting in bed and holding my phone up and watching and I fall asleep and my phone hits my face sometimes. But you know, it's my job to make sure I have a very clear and um, uh, understanding of the community sentiment as well as the community's feedback. Um, so please go and talk about your experiences and give us feedback. It's very important. Um, okay, next question. Interesting. So, obviously, <laughs> it's the smart thing to say that you don't care about pre-orders. In fact, I think most developers would probably say that, um, maybe publicly even. But like now that I can say that I'm in the position of being a developer myself, like in working on a project, um, 
maybe I don't care about pre-orders, but I care about wish lists. <laughs> you know, like I care about some kind of like engagement. So maybe that's what he means by he cares about the engagement, meaning like he doesn't need to know that there's going to be all the pre-orders, but he needs to know people are caring and talking about the product and engaged with it, which is um, it's actually it's actually a good point. Like he's right. Ultimately speaking, he doesn't technically need the pre-orders to end up getting them in the end, if that makes sense, you know? August 11th? Interesting. Well, shit, it looks like I have to go play um, Final Fantasy next, then. Final Fantasy wanted me to go review it before uh, ESO, I guess. It's concerning that they have $300 plus packages. And so <coughs> that's a bit of my issue with it as well. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people say, for example, that some of these bundles are good value. And, and I can understand that. But saying a bundle is good value for a game that is yet launched and also isn't yet proven, to me, is kind of like saying like... Couldn't I say that about anything? You know what I'm saying? Like, couldn't I say that I know how to fly? I, I can give you shoes that make you fly. You can pre-order them. I can give you a really good deal. But does it mean that the shoes are going to make you fly? Not necessarily. And so, like, it might be a good deal. But if it's not a game, for example, and it doesn't it to completion or it's not what people expected it to be based on how it was sold then it's a bad investment still technically right so that i think people need to understand that part because otherwise they're going to get a rude awakening whenever they do invest in something and maybe not ashes of creation but anything and they don't get their money back and it doesn't do well you have to kind of realize that if you're willing to put money into a kickstarter project please don't do it for the value do it because you know that you could lose that money, but you want to support the game. It is good value on items where they have set the price. Exactly. I mean, they control the market, right? Maybe I'm just jaded because I got a six-month package of Swotor at release. Hey, that would have been long enough to, for me to quit the game. Yeah, horrible investment for a game. You aren't even sure you will live past the first few months, let alone one you actually enjoy. Yeah, because I see that a lot. Like, I see people say, oh, it's like good value. And I'm like, I kind of see what you're saying, but like a good value is assuming that it's actually like good to play or enjoyable. So you can't assume that just because they say it is, right? And that's how marketing works. <laughs> I say that this is the best one ever. You buy it. It's not. You're not just supposed to keep believing me. <laughs> you know, like, you're supposed to hold me accountable. I'm pretty sure supporter packages are for supporting the game. Yeah, exactly. If anyone wants this digital rock that scares away tigers, I normally sell it for $10 or $10,000, but I'll sell it to you for $5,000. What a value, exactly. I give PoE that much. It's a free-to-play game that has these kinds of supporter packs available at all times. Yeah, and I mean, give people rewards for wanting to support you, but... Don't try and sell it on the fact that it's a good deal. You know, like to me, that's just kind of weird personally. Um, the good deal is like almost like a side effect in a way, you know, kind of like when you put money into a game, like a Kickstarter, 
and they allow you to like if it's thirty dollars you put into the game and they allow you to get get the game with that amount of money. But then it also comes with a couple of other bells and whistles. For me, that's like kind of still the same thing as pre-ordering a game you're not really sure about as well. That's not really that different. But at the end of the day, just like when you pre-order a game, whether it's kickstarted or not, um, you're still taking a risk that it won't be worth the value. Do you need supporter packages if Steven already paid for it? Well, he hasn't paid for it, though. He didn't say he paid for it. He said he was going to pay for it through completion. Even technically there, he kind of admitted that he wasn't already paid for, or it wasn't already paid for by the way that he explained it not being paid for completely yet. I'll gladly dump that kind of cash in a game. I have actually played and enjoyed it enough to justify it. And that's kind of where I personally think that people should wait until they're able to play these games in some way, shape, or form um, before they before they invest money into them. Like Crowfall, for example, whatever your problems with that game or not, I feel like it has a lot more tangible to deal with right now than any of these other games really that are out there, right? And then like, especially with the recent Camelot, like drama. So um, I spoke in general for this case. Um, that misleading marketing is something I think is bad for general misinformation. Got you. I have arrived. Welcome. All right, let's talk about one of our topics. So massively reported about this, and I thought it was interesting. Nintendo Giga League included plans for a Pokemon MMO from 2004. And so there was a presentation. And uh, there's not a whole lot of information on it. But it, check this out. So a Nintendo leak reviews that, uh, reveals rather that IQ, or I'm assuming that's how they pronounce that. I'm, the Hispanic in me wants to say que. Propose an online Pokemon game for PC using Game Boy Advance as a controller. So check this out. Um, PowerPoint presentation is data from November 2004. So why didn't they include it in this page? Oh, because they want you to click like 7,000 times in order to like get to the bottom of it. Right? I'm assuming. Yeah, that, that's why. Um, I don't feel like doing that. Um, let's see. They talked about in the PowerPoint presentation, though, guys, um, plans for trading, battling, being in the game, chatting online, as well as having an online tournament mode, treasure hunting, and even the ability to use a Game Boy Advance as a controller. <laughs> Doesn't all of that sound nuts? This was pitched to uh, Nintendo. Um, the project would have inherited features from Fire Red and Leaf Green for offline play, including a story-based mode on the Game Boy Advance titles. Players then would have also been able to trade and battle without the internet through a link cable connection. So, meaning you could have taken it kind of both directions, right? Almost like an augmented MMO more than like a, a virtual one in a certain extent. Um, which is kind of what they went with with like Pokemon Go more so, I should say. Um, there would be a full map along with a full set of Pokemon. Only 30 Pokemon would be available offline. Ah, I like that, that they made it to where you kind of had to get online. Um, and then it says that there would be a region concept where each time a player goes online, Pokemon would be distributed depending on where they're located in the world. Oh, so like dynamic mobs? That's what that sounds like to me. Weather functionality would have been part of this, and Pokemon distribution settings would go into effect while discon or when disconnecting for offline play, and would be updated only when players log in again. Man, that's crazy. 
uh, that says the tournament mode, they would have had, um, there's plans to periodically release Pokemon for treasure and capturing, um, or treasure for capturing, rather, hunting, and then the total resource shall be fixed to create a rush of time uh, for online capturing with all the members in the Pokemon online club. Oh, okay, so they would periodically release something, and then everyone had to go hunt it down, almost like you're playing um, some kind of bug-catching game, you know? Like, a, they, they have these timed events, I think, already in some of the Pokemon online games. Like, um, I don't know what they call them, though. I guess I'm, I'm blanking out. But it's kind of like if you're going to go, you know, just try and capture the uh, Pokemon in that bug area. Remember, you go to the, what is it, the Safari? Where you have to catch a certain amount of Pokemon in a certain amount of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Safari, I think it was what it was called. It sounds like there's plans to offer both of these by using a Game Boy Advance as a controller. So look at this. They, they had like a scheduled or a staggered release schedule. Uh, July through August 2005, they would have the Game Boy Advance version with the online features, online play and offline play, all with the Game Boy Advance screen. The next year, they were going to have an online tournament mode with PC screen for display. So they were going to try and then, you know, progress into the next uh, facet. And then the later that year, they were going to release the first map for the Pokemon capture, which is what we were talking about above, where you just, you're kind of like in the Safari and you're looking for a bunch of Pokemon and uh, allow you to use the Game Boy Advance as a controller as well for that. So it's just like, uh, it was interesting. I saw that this news came out and... Um, I wanted to talk about it just because uh, I remember we had talked about it previously on the podcast and it's something that I think still to this day is like there's something there, you know, like you could even have players create their own gems, right? You could even have players like um, be trainers and set their characters offline in certain areas and it would make like AI take it over and your character would just play like a, like a trainer and it could earn you money if it wins or like, you know what I'm saying? Like you could do di- roaming mobs because they have that in Pokemon already. Man, there's a lot of cool ideas. The swarms. That's what it is. That's what it is. There was also some news, if you guys have been paying attention, about G4. And I kind of wanted to talk about it at least a little bit, just because um, I saw, like, the internet going crazy about it. You know, of course, G4, if you guys remember, was the first gaming television network back in the day. They had Attack of the Show, X-Play, Cinematech, um... They also played like Ninja Warrior and Cops and stuff on it. They had, uh, it was like Adam Sessler, Olivia Wilde, uh, no, Olivia Munn, right? Olivia Munn. And then what's Morgan Webb? Morgan Webb, Olivia Munn, Olivia Munn, Adam Sessler. Am I, am I missing someone else? Uh, those are the only ones I remember. Uh, Morgan Webb. Olivia Munn and Adam Sessler. Yeah. Anyway, I think those are the only ones. But So, obviously, this doesn't mean that those people are necessarily going to rejoin or whatever else. Probably not at this point. Like, Olivia Munn's like a movie star, practically. Um, but it got me thinking, like, um, how on name value alone, people have basically been excited by this. And I can get that there's a lot of nostalgia there. And especially the idea of a gaming television network. But... I'm just a little bit interested in the fact that I think that people have a short-term memory in the sense that, first off, this didn't work before, and when they were trying to make it work, they had to do things like take maybe certain types of dollars that brought their review questionability, uh, like, it brought their integrity into question in the first place. Like, 
I can't tell you how many times I watched like MMO reviews, like their Warhammer online review is so bad. Like I remember I would watch them and I'd be like, you guys don't even play the game long enough. Even as a kid, I would think, you guys don't play the game long enough to even know what the game's about and you treat it like it's like a normal game. So I wasn't a fan of their MMO reviews actually at all, right? I didn't think they were that great. But I think, I think it's just so strong like to show you like nostalgia and short-term memory. Yeah, exactly, Hugh. I feel like people need to acknowledge the fact that first off, the old hosts that were involved, Olivia Munn even admitted she wasn't even really into video games, right? They just did that because it was like part of the show and shit. Like at least Morgan Webb was like into video games a little bit and stuff. And like Adam Sessler was like, didn't really cover games like crazy outside of that either. So like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it, exactly, Pinzio. I feel like it barely worked back then too. Kristen Adams. Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> there was another person on the show. But yeah, so I'm I'm just wondering like you know what why should we assume that this is going to be something good, you know? Like how do we know that it's going to be done differently necessarily, right? It says right now that specifics on what will take or what form it will take in 2021, which is when it's being teased, are not available. Presumed wisdom is that it will be part of NBC's Peacock streaming service as G4 was recently owned by Comcast a NBC Universal subsidiary. It could also potentially be associated with IGN in some fashion um, because they were the ones to pull back the curtain. So an IGN rebrand or something like that? You know, maybe they don't want to use their own name, so they'll just use G4. That's what I'm saying, guys. Like, people seem so gullible to already assume that this is, like, going to be something good when we don't even know anything about it. Like, there's no information yet. Like... Oh, they actually said that some of the hosts right here at the bottom. It says Adam Sessler, Morgan Webb, Olivia Mudd, and Kevin Pereira. We have as much information that it will be the same as it won't be the same. The only thing that has changed is the media consumption and popularity of gaming. I think that's faulty logic, Adric, considering that it wasn't... It was poor before. It literally failed. So our pre previous recollection of the at least mine, of the series and the channel is failure and also the poor reviews. So, like, I think that's a lot... That should be more fresher in people's mind than assuming that they're going to do successful. Because based on what? <laughs> they failed as a channel, so, like, why would we assume that they would do successfully? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mr. Sark should return to G4. He was there when I first uh, found him and I followed him to Machinima before he left. Kevin Pereira already does an attack of the show type deal on Twitch or something. Wait a minute. Let me see how he looks. Because maybe he, I think I know who that is, actually. Oh, it's this guy. I don't even... Man, I haven't seen this guy in ages. That's crazy. Those MMO machinimas are nostalgic for me. Yeah, like, let me see if I can find one of the uh, G4 MMO reviews. Uh, let's see. I gotta find it. Come on. They did a review on Warhammer. I remember back in the day. I might have even showed the footage in one of my videos. I'm not going to be able to find it. 
Oh, it wasn't Attack of the Show. It's X-Play. It's X-Play. Might have found one. South Korea has the largest number of MMO gamers per capita. Because if you lived with the constant threat of a hostile nuclear power a couple of miles away, you'd probably want to avoid reality too. Which means Korea also leads the world what? in the number of MMO players who have- Whoa. This shit didn't age well. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that shit didn't age well. That's hilarious. Exhaustion. Yep. But Korea just keeps cranking out new MMOs, and here's one of them, RF Online. If there's one thing that most MMORPGs have in common, it's that they have too much in common. Most end up looking like a bastardized version of Lord of the Rings with some form of humans, trolls, and or elves. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I do? Did I keep doing this to myself? Here, quick, somebody sub, otherwise I'm gonna stop doing this shit. Cause I honestly, I don't even. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I want to read this. Is like PTSD. This is. Just, I wonder if I can find more of these too. Cause like. Online tries to set itself apart from the pack with its sci-fi setting, which is admittedly different. However, it doesn't quite avoid all the other MMO pitfalls. The RF in RF Online stands for Rising Force. I'm guessing this abbreviation was necessary because, let's face it, no one likes to say five-syllable phrases anymore. In RF Online, you can create a character from one of three races. The Akritia are a race of robots bent on, like every good robot should be, the total annihilation of all living beings. Hear that, you Honda Azimo designers? Sure, it's cute now while it's delivering a tray of meds to grandma, but mark my words, oh, one morning you'll open the doors to your research lab and find a dead prostitute in an Azimo swearing she was like that when it picked her up. The Cora are... What? I don't remember it being this edgy. Are a humanoid race that rely on summoned spirits to help them in battle. Kind of like my Uncle Randall. Only I'm pretty sure those were a different kind of spirits. And he usually used a bartender to help summon them. The Bellato are a stockier tiny folk with an affinity for building mech suits and... Hey, wait just one second. They have pointy ears. I don't care what fancy name you give them. Pointy ears equals elves. All right, RF Online, I warned you, and I'm docking you a point. No derivative Why? Goblins elves. have pointy ears. The difference is in races so do gnomes do sometimes. Some gameplay, but you can't really experience so do, it so until you trolls level sometimes. 20 or 30. So, ladies and gentlemen, on your marks, get set. Grind! Yes, hang on to your hats and glasses as you butcher your way through quest after quest of quota killing. If you think grinding sounds like a chore, then you'll really dig the riveting way you earn some coin. 
you mine. Not since EA's Paint Dry and College Paint Dry 2006 has there been such stellar stand in one place and do nothing action. Imagine how thrilled you'll be when you travel to the designated mining area, equip your trusty mining tool, but hold on kids, make sure you have enough batteries, and then wait patiently as ore slowly trickles into your inventory. Awesome. I haven't had this much fun since my last Paladin versus Paladin duel in World of Warcraft. And to sweeten the pot, the developers allow you to walk away from your computer while there's, there's the wow reference. There always has to be a wow reference. Happening. The only real exciting side of mining is the giant PvP battle that happens nightly to decide which race controls the massive or rich cavern in the middle of the mining map. And guess what? The victors win. The exclusive right to stand. This person's keyboard turning. Wait. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> Hold on, I have a, I've got a, you know, a radar, man. I know when somebody's keyboard turning. It's like it does something to my brain. Check this out. Watch, watch, watch. Look at the mouse. The mouse is visible. Mouse is visible. Mouse is still visible. Watch, she's gonna turn. Mouse is still visible. The mouse is still visible. <laughs> Look, she's gonna click in. Nope. Nope, still haven't still haven't used the mouse yet. Oh, you're dead. Never mind. I guess that's probably why you died. <laughs> Ores and drill for ore. Overall, RF Online isn't a bad MMO. It's pretty to look at, and the PvP is fairly well done. Its biggest downfall is the overabundant look at, and the PvP. This is the Overall, analysis. RF Online isn't a bad MMO. It's pretty to look at, and the PvP is fairly well done. Its biggest downfall is the overabundance of menial tasks. I get enough of that in real life. Thanks. We give RF Online. Let's see, minus one point for the unoriginal elves, another for how lame mining is. Three. Out of five. MMOs are so addictively um, boring. Well, focusing all your energy on something that doesn't matter is not like meditation. Yeah, but if there are more orcs in Buddhism, I would I feel like even more justified. I feel like you guys are on my side now. Uh, let me see if I can find any more. Oh, yes. Galaxy's review. Yes, EverQuest with Wookiees. <laughs> that, that sounded like you threw up. 
Look, we all know a Star Wars whore, and a Lord of the Rings whore, and a Star Trek whore while I'm at it. You do a lot of whoring, you know. I know. The point is, somehow Adam got to review this game. <sighs> and at first, I was jealous. So jealous, I stole a copy of Rain Man off his desk, and I threw it in the toilet. That was you. But after seeing this review, I felt better. This is the Galaxy's review. That, that was you? Oh. Oh. Okay. Can we kill the theatrics? Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters. I might have cool. to make a series just reacting but to they have nothing to the damn X Play MMO reviews. That's better. Star Wars Galaxies is the most anticipated massively multiplayer game this year. So we expected to be a little disappointed, and sure enough, we were. First of all, this is a big game with a lot of content. But unfortunately, with every so-called innovation in the game comes a setback. Okay, that's not entirely true. There is some stuff that's just plain good. As you can see, Star Wars Galaxies is beautiful. The worlds you get to run around in are lush and believable. Why does Unless this voice sound like Which is barren and believable. They're big, too. So big that getting from one town to another is a ludicrously long trek. To demonstrate... You're not supposed to run, dude. I'll take my little speeder. blue Mon Calamari guy to Anchorhead. You're... Is this dude literally running to the next town? Is... This can't be real, no. Come on, man. This has to be in jest, right? Riveting, isn't it? Can't seem to find a vehicle. That's because there aren't any in this game. Hey, Adam, the guy playing Urkel is going to be on the screensavers. This looks like a job for Auto Run. Have fun on the way to Anchorhead. Now, while I was gone, there was always vehicles, by the way. My character got into two fights, was incapacitated once, but finally made it to the town of Anchorhead. With yes, res sickness. Star Wars Galaxies is so advanced, you don't even need to play it to play it. Critters roam around the land. So he auto-ran, and he thinks he's playing the game? Like, this is the shit that people are getting excited about. <laughs> and have apparently mastered proper use of punctuation. Character creation is no less impressive. You can choose from eight different races, and each is very customizable. Mm-hmm. Sexy. Many people are calling this game EverQuest with Wookiees. But in EverQuest, improving your character is... Nobody has ever said that. Nobody has ever said... Like, literally nobody is saying that. I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever say that. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not just saying that to be edgy. I, I I've honestly don't think I've ever heard anybody ever say that. Except these guys. <laughs> and now apparently everybody's saying that it's EverQuest with Wookiees. <laughs> centered squarely on combat and gaining levels. Galaxies rewards you for doing whatever it is you want to do. Want to get good with your blaster? Use it. Want to score with the ladies? Get to the nearest cantina and show them your best moves. Oh my god, my eyes! Oh my eyes! 
Unfortunately, you still have to do a ton of boring, repetitive tasks to become good at anything in this game. It's really wow. no different than any how other game they this make time. You do that. I mean, how many times do we have to say it? Killing hundreds of little space creatures just isn't fun. Unless they're Jawas. Come here, you little hooded punk. This is for selling me the droid with a bad motivator. In case you had your eyes closed there, combat looked silly, especially when you're trying to shoot a critter that's chewing on your ankles. A marksman with a blaster rifle should not have to run in terror from a little kitty. Here my Wookiee warrior is killed by butterflies. Butterflies! That means you suck, dude. And the entertainers? The less said about the them, the play Oh, for God's sake, let the Wookiee dance. The big problem with this game is that it just doesn't feel much like Star Wars. It's a functioning, massively multiplayer game that's been hosed down with Star Wars juice. And that's about it. You never feel like there's a point to playing this game outside of improving your character. Well, considering I haven't seen him in a single group in this whole clip, no wonder why it doesn't feel like Star Wars, because you're playing it like a loner, and Star Wars isn't meant to be the played The saving by grace in this game is the community of players. These people are friendly, helpful, and not nearly as nerdy as we expected. In the coming months, See, then the developers have promised nice all kinds of improvements. We'll hope for the best, but we've heard that promise before. At this time, the most we can see giving Star Wars Galaxies and Empire Divided is a disappointing two out of five. That's insane, dude. A two out of five. Oh god. Alright, let's hear what they have to say. It's your birthday. Go Wookiee. It's your birthday. I don't know which is more damaging to my eyes, the Wookiee or that. Anyhow, what's worse in this game is that you have to watch the Wookiee dance to heal your battle fatigue, okay? <laughs> so like if, if you're fatigued from battle, you gotta you gotta watch the Wookiee do that. It's scarring you. Now, that's how you heal yourself in galaxies, <laughs> watching the entertainers. It's pretty stupid. It's completely stupid. <laughs> Anyhow, I wanna make one thing. That's literally the core feature of the game because it's design. <clears throat> what Raph Koster wanted to do when he designed Galaxies was make it to where the only way you could play the game wasn't just killing creatures. Because early on, there wasn't that many creatures to kill. So there had to be other ways to play the game, right? Besides just killing creatures. So there was crafting and trading and all the normal stuff you expect from an MMO, right? Especially from one of the guys that helped create Ultima Online. But um, the reason why that they created entertainers and made them an integral part of the game in regards to healing your um, res sickness and doctors as well was because they wanted to give people roles in the game that were non-combatant roles that they could devote time and effort and experience to and essentially use as a way to socialize or to make money from it. So it was like a profession, right? And literally what it is. <clears throat> They're professions. And the professions help players interact with each other. They help players talk to each other. And they help players stay involved with each other. So basically not understanding that kind of shows you don't understand the game, basically. Because the whole point is to be involved with other players and watch them, right? 
thing perfectly mm. clear. This okay. is not a game. Well, you learned this. Watch me play. I did. This is not a game if you want to be a Jedi. This is exactly the game for the people who want to be Tauntaun Handler number four. Now, I'm holding out hope the galaxies will get better. Mm, LucasArts does promise they're going to add vehicles and space travel, and these things get better with more people, and it could be fun. It could be. It could be. They have a lot of stuff they got to do. So yes. we're going to wait until that stuff shows up, and we'll revisit it and mm -hmm. let you guys know if it's actually improved. But until then, don't buy this game. Wait and see what actually happens. Yes, unless you have a burning desire to, you know, live out the life of the third rebel soldier on the left, there's just not enough here to warrant the 50 bucks. That's crazy how they would actually insult people like yeah, that. Yeah, write us if you actually want to do that. I'd right. Send a picture. I'm curious. I wrote a haiku about <laughs> How could you possibly like a game? <laughs> All right. They revisited it. They released MMOs to find out how the games have evolved and if they're still worth playing. Here's our Here's first MMO revisited Star Wars Galaxies. I can tell because that's um, a long time ago in an Rage X-Play episode far, far away. We reviewed Star Wars Galaxies. Despite a huge population of dancing Wookiees, we gave it a 2 out of 5. Why? Because it was a crappy MMO. Can you imagine now I can say that non-ironically Morgan Webb said that Star Wars Galaxies, which by the way... You can't even argue if it's a crappy MMO. You might not like the game, but the game literally is the one of the biggest inspirations in the entire genre. Like a lot of the big people who talk about their inspirations, like you want to talk about Ashes of Creations or like Camelot Unchained or any of these other like games that are out there, even Star Citizen, where do you think they're getting a lot of their ideas from? <laughs> like it's one thing to say you don't like the game, it's one thing to call it crappy. I think that's honestly pretty insulting. Later, they expanded the universe to include space flight with Star Wars Galaxies Jump to Lightspeed. At this point, many of you gave up on Star Wars Galaxies. Here's what you've been missing. Kid, this place needs all the help it can get. To the layman's eyes, this may look like the same old hive of scum and villainy, but Star Wars Galaxies went through a major revamp. For one thing, it has a new opening movie. Finally, we can see some Millennium Falcon action. Of course, you can't actually fly the Falcon. Who would want to do that? Kid, this place needs all you, the help it can get. You Thanks can fly advice, technically the same ship. The gameplay style is totally new. A huge anyway. amount of the cumbersome RPG elements were eliminated. An and the number of professions has been pared down from 30 or so to 9. Crafting ugly pottery and dancing for credits to put yourself through Jedi school are disappearing pastimes. Yeah, I used to be a dancer, but it got hard to find work, and I, uh, I got into Jawa porn. In Galaxies, combat is now king. Melee combat is more difficult, because like in real life, your enemies don't stand still while they fight you. Being out here in the streets uh, isn't like Stormtrooper school. They taught us to attack, and then the other person would have their turn, and then we get to attack again. It ain't natural. I trained as a turn-based trooper, and now you got Rodians and Jedi who don't give a whose turn it is. I originally tried out for World of Warcraft. Yep, I was gonna be a paladin, but I screwed up the written test. Hey, do you know anyone at Blizzard? Could you put in a good word for me? Ugh, fanboys. The Trials of Obi-Wan online expansion pack has opened a new world to Star Wars nerds. Shuttles provide travel to lovely Mustafar, the hellish lava planet where Obi-Wan left Anakin to die. Stone cold, man. Stone cold. Hey, you want to watch that Jawa porn tape when we get back to the base? Oh, yeah, the one with Rockers and Freddy. Who? Oh, um, he's a porn star. You would recognize him. He'd probably be spitting in a Jawa's ass. 
Mustafar is geared towards Jedi who have been around a while. Most things on this planet are beyond deadly to anything less than a level 90. I can barely breathe through this mask. It's so hot in here. I really want to get into World of Warcraft. C could you put in a good word for me? The Star Wars galaxy is expansive. That was like the second or third time they've mentioned WoW. You don't mind the subpar graphics and repetitive gameplay. You can live out your every Star Wars dream. Like the genocide of the Gungans. <laughs> New episodic content is being released as well. Chapter 1. She's literally reading an ad. She's l literally reading an ad. Before, when they were all negative and edgy, now you can hear her intonation in her voice. And the inflection goes up at the end, which is actually what you do when you're seeking rapport. It's a psychological thing when you're trying to get people to kind of follow along, you know? Like you're like trying to be like, yeah, this is what I think. It's this and it's that. You hear it a lot in advertisements. The Corellian Captives kicks off new quests, and a peer versus peer civil war is apparently brewing between rebel and imperial forces. This all sounds exciting. The way three more seasons of According to Jim sounds exciting. Look at how zoomed in this place needs all the help it can get. They're like zoomed in like a first person, like third person. Property for an MMO, but even with all the changes, Star Wars Galaxies doesn't quite get us there. Maybe someday it will. Now I really want to play World of Warcraft. I don't even think this is anything like Red vs. Blue, though, Slum. I get that you like the show, bud, but this is pretty, sh this is pretty shit. <laughs> For the like, I don't see how that's this funny at all. This is the first in an ongoing series of reappraisals of MMORPGs to see like, how... It's not even funny to be like, I'm going to go play WoW. Like, what's funny about that? How much has changed since our initial review? Now, Galaxies is trying really hard to bring the spirit of the movies to an MMO, but I'm not sure it's possible. With something that makes us all very, very tingly. I get tingly in the arm, and then I get the pressure in the chest. All right, KOTOR 2, they'll oh, give that a good review. Um, I need to find more MMO reviews. X-Play. All right, they said that this is a playlist for any and every. So let's see how many MMOs there are in here. <clears throat> this is almost just like become the mission now. Now I need to find all of them. Create the holy trinity. Or holy whatever, however many there is, I guess. I have no clue. Um, they looked at Gmod. Uh, let's see. I remember Manhunt. Um, there's Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, that's a different Lord of the Rings. I know they did Warhammer, so if any of you guys have any luck finding the Warhammer one, let me know. <clears throat> Anarchy Online, find it. Found it. Alright, cool. There's Anarchy Online, which is old. That's like 2001, I think, or 99, somewhere around there. I think it's 2000 or 2001. Sims? No, that's a different one. Not Sims Online. Apathy is death. Um, All right, looks like that was it for here.
Um, let's see. I think I'm pretty sure they reviewed um Warhammer. That's going to drive me crazy now. I wonder if there's a reason they took it down. Could have just been one of those that got lost, but I can tell you without a doubt I watched it on TV, so I know with like 100% they reviewed it. But it wasn't a good review either. They kept comparing it to WoW like the whole time in the video. They were like, oh, well, it's not better than WoW, so like, yeah, we don't like it that much. And I was just like, what's this? Welcome to the world of Besieger for the PC. Oh, no. This is something. <laughs> no clue what that was, but impact for you that is so exciting it's like it i don't know exciting it, it's for an incredibly popular massively multiplayer online role-playing game anarchy online now back when ao that's what we like to call it in the biz when that came out of 2001 it would even be kind of say it stumbled out of the gate it was basically an unfinished game when it was first released yeah but after a couple months and a booster pack the problems got fixed and people started playing. And then they started loving it. Mm -hmm. They're together. <laughs> now the first I'll see you guys later. I'm gonna go play wow. Anarchy Online is being released. Here's our review of Anarchy Online Shadowlands. Welcome to Ruby Ka Territorial Space. We are about to dock with the Morning Star Space Station. Please Welcome to a distant future that the Sex Pistols might have enjoyed. Anarchy Online Shadowlands is the first full-blown expansion pack for Funcom's massively multiplayer anarchist franchise. The game features a new storyline, character classes, environments, and monstrosities, along with a few welcome gameplay improvements. For the uninitiated, the game plays like an evil EverQuest twin. Players will choose from a few distinct races, shop around for a good game phase, ah uh, yes, suitably evil, and then select from a wide variety of character classes. Mm, let's see. The two new Why is every MMO ever the shade here, who are pretty cool. And these I guess at least it, keepers, now every MMO is wild. Who are cool enough, I suppose, but seemingly not so cool as the shade. Anyway, the expansion opens a portal beyond... Nice, I think someone found it. Thanks, by the way, um, Ghost Lights. The mining planet it wasn't the even a full review, like a half Allowing players to enter the new, unexplored realms of the Shadowlands. These lands will vary between swampy bits, dungeons, ruins, Let me be the first to say that I think this style of review Arctic could actually be done in a way where it's funny and still like adds content. But the problem with reviews in general is that they're meant to kind of be helpful in helping you purchase something. So it doesn't matter if it's all funny, if it doesn't help you with any details. So... That's kind of why I feel like they could have just done impressions. They could have just called them impressions. And I feel like they wouldn't have gotten so much negative uh, perspective from that, you know. Or they could have just called it whatever they wanted. They could have just called it X-Play, you know, does Anarchy Online or whatever. Like, 
I think calling it a review means there's a certain level of a standard. Landscapes, underwater civilizations with plenty of sushi. But I think and a gaming network, of course, could clouds, work. I mean, I believe in apartments. creating my own gaming network, oh, nice you know, with my channel. Basically, that's it. what it is to me. The Shadowlands like inhabitants are in the stuff, midst of a long-running struggle between two warring factions. So of course, I think it's possible. The unredeemed and the redeemed. Unredeemed, redeemed. Got it? Good. This conflict will serve as a backdrop for all the adventures ahead. That was actually a little bit funny. So, like many online games, you'll have to invest a little bit of time fighting with the smaller creatures before you can take on any of the really nasty beasts. But rest assured, there will be plenty of stuff to do in between. Gesundheit. Now, since all this can be a bit much for one little girl to chew on her lonesome, the game encourages players to band together in parties hey, it's and the first time I heard them mention that in the game. That means you'll have to make friends. Hello, sister. Hey, you want to party? How about you? You want to party? Dude, wait up. Why, hello, doctor. Hey, hey, you want to party? How about you, big guy? You want to... My bad, it's cool. That's a nice look you've got going. Rock on. Now, once you are grouped and working as a team, you'll I find feel that like things can be a whole lot easier. This reviewer does easier. better when there's not Sessler Basically, there. the long and the short of it is this. Anarchy Online Shadowlands is a brilliant improvement over the original. Newcomers may find the game intimidating at first, but it's worth overcoming the learning curve. Tough as it is, Shadowlands makes for one of the best massively multiplayer experiences around. We're giving it wow. a four out of five. That's crazy. They gave Anarchy Online a four so out of five. When I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever say it was like seen as a positive um, game at launch, especially at least, you know, like. Does the NS community hate Anarchy Online? Um, no. <laughs> Wait, why would anyone hate Anarchy Online? They they might hate it because of the launch. It had one of the worst launches ever, I think, in recorded history. But um, I don't think I don't think anybody really hates the game like for any other reason. Not that I know of, at least. Hey, thanks, but you've got the wrong guy. I'm good at shooting people, cracking wise, and pretending to know how to fight with my hands. All right, let's watch the X-Play. Uh, uh... With proper chemical assistance, you can probably be up all year with Warhammer Online. There's so much to do that sleep takes a pretty low priority when you compare it to this epic game. So we're not kidding when we say that this one might keep... Motherfucker said, this epic game. <laughs> like he up was like selling... Warhammer is an MMORPG, so it goes without saying that it's a huge game. But really, it is a huge game. With two factions that have three armies each and an array of different careers, just choosing your character could take all night. You want to be a rune priest or a witch elf? Decisions. Decisions. Once you get started, there are plenty of missions to keep you occupied. And while you can go it alone, it's more fun with some company. It's this sense of camaraderie that really gets you invested in the game. And it's good to have a friend or two when you're fighting in the epic war between Order... You're not even grouped with those guys, though. Literally every single clip, they, they haven't been grouped. Can go like, it alone. He's only grouped right here because he's doing a scenario, so it literally forces him to group. But look, all of these clips are single player. And it's to me, it's cringy because he'll say like, "Look, I'm playing with, with this one company. guy." Watch. It's this sense of camaraderie that really gets you invested. Okay, so you did a scenario. 
And then there's literally a random dude attacking a mob too, which by the way, this doesn't even look like a public quest. In fact, it's not. Fighting in the epic war between order and destruction. And speaking of pals, there are tons of opportunities to join in on public quests. They're open to anyone, so the more the merrier. You can just jump right in and start slaying. You might even score some loot in the end. <laughs> he literally was the worst. You can just jump right in and start slaying. You might now that is funny. <laughs> Whether intentional or not. Might even score some loot in the end. <laughs> There's also plenty of realm versus realm action to get your adrenaline pumping. With such well-crafted gameplay and stunning visuals, look at them keyboard turning. We'll definitely take a backseat to this game. Don't forget, Ben. It'll be there when you're done playing Warhammer. But the, like, okay, so <clears throat> for risk of coming off too elitist, let me explain why I'm critical of keyboard turning, especially in this context when people say MMOs are boring. That's like playing on really slow sensitivity in a shooter and then saying the game is boring. You know, it's like it's the same kind of experience to me. You're willingly playing the game slower when you could just play it faster. Like if you want to play keyboard turn style, it's going to be more boring. It's going to be slower. So why not just learn how to move with your mouse to make the game move faster? Right? But like, if you don't do that and you see that in a lot of these videos, a lot of the characters just standing there and they pan around their character, that looks boring as shit to me personally. I mean, I don't know if you guys find that fun, but like, I don't find it that enjoyable to just pan around my character and not have control of my character. Like, I don't like to play MMOs like a pause, you know, pause and play RPG. I like to play them like I'm connected to my character, right? Because I want to feel like I'm role-playing in some way. So I, I think that it's kind of like one of those things where that's why I'm critical of that kind of stuff. Because if you're trying to show off a game, for example, like game footage, I would never, ever let someone show off my MMO if I had one. Let's say I owned Warhammer. I'd never let anyone show off the game if they weren't going to play the game in a way that was going to make sure the game looked as exciting as it could look, right? To explain what I mean is like, you guys ever watch these like pizza ads, like these commercials where they show pizza and stuff? Th doesn't that pizza look amazing? The pizza doesn't actually look that way. They do things to it. They pretty it up. They they spray it with stuff. They they put chemicals in it. They make it look a lot more appetizing than it actually is. They do the same thing with burgers, right? It, really, a lot of the foods that you kind of see, like especially in restaurants, they make them look as pretty as possible. That of course give you that feeling that it's going to look that way right and so it's kind of like um it's no different for me when you're showing off a game trailer in any kind of game in a fighting game people wouldn't accept lag they wouldn't accept a game performing really poorly because it's supposed to be very um frame specific in many cases but like mmos oftentimes obviously because of the stature and really because of the market just being bad in a sense a lot of people were a lot more willing to deal with that kind of stuff but one thing that I think has to happen is trailers for MMOs have to get better. Um, and really, they have to get good again because they were better before. They were better at showing you actually what the game was about before. And they also were a lot more willing to show you the actual gameplay of the game. And I think that games these days, especially MMOs, are a lot less willing to do that sort of stuff. So like, that's just kind of where I come from. Like, The perspective is 
if I want to show off my nice car, and like let's say I'm like um, Formula One, and I want to show off like one of my nice cars, I'm gonna get the best driver to drive it, right? Like it's that simple. So that's why it's always strange to me that people will show off their product to somebody, but they'll put somebody on a game that has no experience. That's why it doesn't make sense to me. You're you're setting them up for failure, basically. You know? Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking pause and play because I was playing uh, Pathfinder literally last night and. Uh, it's turn-based at the moment. And uh, in my head, I was thinking about how uh, I don't have to keep pausing and playing. So pausing and playing would actually be the continuous RPG uh, experience, I would argue. Whereas turn-based is if you're playing a turn-based game like Divinity or Pathfinder um, with the turn-based uh, thing enabled, which I actually do have enabled, uh, which is funny. But uh, Unless it's for insane snapshots, but I pr prefer to play Tarkov or... Rising Storm 2. Immersion is the point of MMOs. Yeah, yeah, you would think. Can it be immersion if all 509 players in the server are the big hero? Not everyone is necessarily designed by the original design of an MMO to be the hero, in fact. If you look at all of the original MMOs, none of them are designed for the player to be the hero, um, except when WoW started to come out is really when it changed everything. WoW said you are the hero. Um, mind you, did it come right away? No, but it came, and it came hard. Like, their time during Wrath set the world on fire, like, in terms of their influence, was the greatest it ever had been, I think, at that point. And, like, that period of time, I think it definitely was that, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, this was funny, though. Ah! Boy, boy, boy! Oh, man. Long to record all that gameplay footage. I ran around asking people if they wanted the party for hours. Yeah, but you do that in real life as well. What? You asked them in real life that you wanted them to join your group. I get it. It's funny because you didn't type, you know? Like, that makes sense. But I would laugh at that maybe if it wasn't a review. You know what I'm saying? Like... The fact that it is a review to me is just, I don't know. What, what utility is there for him watching this? That's, that's my problem with it. All right, we've, we've talked enough about G4 today. Uh, let's watch the new um, Fantasy Star uh, new Genesis video. So this kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I should say that it's not out of the ordinary for this sort of thing to happen. But apparently there's, like, another Fantasy Star game. It's supposed to be in a different engine, even. Um, but there is going to be some level of carryover for your progression. Boy, that music is loud. Let's turn that down. Did you talk about the AOC AMA? I mean, someone told me to look at a clip, but what am I really supposed to talk about? Like... I could invent an MMO idea in a couple of weeks and you guys could make me do a couple of AMAs and I could probably sound pretty appealing as well. Like, I'm not trying to be a douche, I'm just saying like, at this point with these Kickstarter games, I don't care until they show you. <laughs> like, you've got to be able to show me whatever systems you're trying to say you can do at this point. I'm, I'm not the same person I just used to be where I was just interested in hearing the ideas. Once I heard the ideas, I'd buy in. Now I have to see them actually in fruition, like, or come to fruition, I should say, you know? So, like, sorry guys, if you think I'm the guy who's going to be reacting to the AMAs and stuff, like, I'm just not that guy, you know? 
that's just not entertaining to me. Maybe if it's an AMA and a, a launch game <laughs> or something, right? Like, like a new update's coming out or a new change is coming, like that's, that sort of stuff. All right, sorry. Let me not watch it in 4K. I just realized it was in 4K. My bad, guys. It was in 4K 60 FPS. They brought out the big guns for the visuals here, huh? I hadn't seen that in a minute. 4K 60 FPS is not. Alright, there we go. That's much better. A brand new expansive world. So, is this. Are they going for the multiplayer online RPG approach where you kind of do, I guess, like a um, Final Fantasy 14 ESO type of deal? Zone to zone to zone? Or is this just like a dome zone, one big zone? Maybe kind of like Firefall or Global Agenda? Because this doesn't just look like the standard lobby that we're used to with Fantasy Star, right? Where you're you're in the spaceship, you're in the lobby, you get your group and then you go load into an instance and boom, then you do your content. This looks like maybe some sort of like open zone. And the combat definitely looks different. I would even say the combat has me a little bit more interested because as I'm hearing, this is going to be using a different launcher. And personally, my problem with um, Fantasy Star Online 2 was because of that stupid Windows launcher, which I was having so many problems with. Or Microsoft launcher? Or what, what is it? The Microsoft launcher? It's like some ancient launcher that like they summoned with some blood ritual or some shit to use in that game because they just didn't want to... I don't want to say they didn't want to use a different one. Because engines can be very complicated, maybe they couldn't, and maybe that's why they had planned this the whole time. So maybe they just used the Fantasy Star Online launch kind of as a jump-off point. The uh, maybe what people thought that uh, New World was supposed to, was supposed to do too <laughs> sooner. If it was more like a multiplayer online RPG than a lobby-based games, you'd reinvest into it. I think that's pretty cool too, actually, and I agree with you, Slum, personally. Um, so this one was from four days ago. Is this the same one? Yeah, this is the same one. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that looks pretty good. I'm curious to see what comes of this. Um, but, uh, that certainly looked a lot better and the UI certainly looked much better. That's like the biggest improvement I could notice was like the UI and like the movement, I would say. So we'll see more about that once it comes out. You had to reinstall the game like five times because of the launcher. I kept having issues because I didn't realize it was trying to tell me that my 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 uh, hard drive was full because it kept giving me some separate errors. So for a while, I didn't even know until like Card told me and he told me he had the same problem. Then I was like, oh. All right. So one thing I wanted to react to and don't worry, I'm not a triggered uh, gamer nerd. I'm not going to get triggered about it, but um. It is something that I did want to talk about. So, have you guys heard about this whole Joe Rogan thing? Let's talk about the clip. Because I actually think this is an important thing. Like, I think it actually looks... I found, I don't know if you agree with this. this. Everyone's There's, talking uh, about this. There were a ton of kids along the way growing up as I was building my business that uh, would say, oh, I'm not into this. I'm not into right, that. Right, these people usually talk like too you slow describe yourself. Yeah. And they don't do anything because they're right. looking for that thing. And I would argue, uh, do something. 
do fucking yeah. something until you find that thing. Yeah, I've never been that kid though. I mean, I've always been into things. I always been, was in art or I was into something. I was always, I always found things that I was interested in. Just none of them seemed like they were normal things that other people wanted to do for a living. Like the path, like a career path. But I think that there's a lot of people that don't have any. There's no one. They're they're not modeling their life <laughs> after someone that they see that they admire. Someone that's successful. Someone that is doing something that they enjoy and love. Sometimes kids have to see that. And if their parents are living a bullshit life and their neighbors are living a bullshit life and most of their family lives a bullshit life, they just fucking lay around, you know, and then they, they seek refuge in drugs. Or right. So this is true. Like, um, and not just drugs, but they'll seek refuge in anything. Right. Because like you don't have a role model around you that you can like aspire to. That's like video greater games than or something that stimulates them. And video games are a real problem. They're a real problem. You know why? Because they're fucking fun. Addictive. And you don't. Yeah. Well, I'm, I have a real problem with them. And you, you, you do them and they're real exciting, but you don't get anywhere. Right. It's like you could do like, like martial arts. Right. You could learn jujitsu. You get obsessed by jujitsu, and then three years later, you're you're like an elite jujitsu athlete. You're like you're entering in competitions. You're a purple belt. You're moving up. Yeah, you're doing well. Right. You're thinking like I might be able to open my own school one you day. Got confidence. Yeah. If I have a hundred students and those hundred students are paying me X amount of dollars per month, I can make a living. Holy shit! I can have a. This would be amazing. And then you see your jujitsu school, and your jujitsu instructor has all these students. Okay. He drives a Mercedes, right. and he's got a nice family. And like you're making sense. This right. You're doing something exciting and fun, and you don't. Or you could just be playing fucking video games. Three years later, you could be that same kid just playing video games, waiting for the next this, whatever the fuck game is, you know, next Xbox game to come out, and you're waste your time you, you have children I have, yeah. I have children and um so obviously like one thing about joe rogan that i think people have to realize and like anytime this kind of stuff comes out about it it's always just like a bit confusing to me because like he isn't somebody who always prefaces what he says he's a comedian right so like he just kind of speaks off cuff and just like says things sometimes so like if you ex like inspect it under a, a magnifying glass or even just like maybe not even a magnifying glass maybe even something a little bit broader than that Sometimes it, you can kind of be like, huh? Like I'm kind of confused about this part of it. And so you can interpret it in a certain way. And like, so obviously you can hear this and interpret it in the way of like, oh, well, he hears video games. Like he says video games are useless for kids and like they should go do other stuff like jujitsu basically, which is a good message. I also do jujitsu. <laughs> I mean, I, I also believe in doing jujitsu too. That being said, um, the thing about the analogy he made, right? The comparison rather, um, comparison was faulty right like in order to make a, an adequate comparison you have to be fair you can't just automatically already see one as being more negative than the other so like when you say like spending three years pursuing jujitsu the funny thing is joe is that it's actually not necessarily true because some people just simply put will never have the ability to physically get to the top level meanwhile you can say the same thing in gaming but i would argue that physically speaking versus mentally speaking you, you can be a lot more competitive in a broader sense, right? And put it this way. Um, some games don't really require a lot of mechanics, right? And there's some players that are even maybe older level, but high level pros. Like they might be in their 30s, but they're still a top player, right? Um, in sports and things like jujitsu, as soon as you start to get older, you start to compete in a different division. Why is that? Because no longer do you have the same athleticism and and ability to compete against those young guns, you know? And so it's kind of like um, th there's a separate, there's a separation there. And so I am a big believer in, in um, it's a bit of a meme, especially in America, but I, but I believe in the concept of merit, right? And what I mean by merit is that when somebody dedicates themselves to something, a skill, if they continue to dedicate themselves and be uh, meaningful or rather mindful and meaningful in what they're trying to do, um, to whatever their own personal goals or aspirations are, whether it's for fun, whether it's to do this or that, and be honest with yourself. I personally like find that to be um, the best way to go about this sort of stuff. 
Uh, yeah, like exactly like Huel said, everything's a balance. Um, and so th that when it comes down to it, like um, any kind of addiction, this applies to any addiction, take gaming out of it. Because gaming is addicting. It is. But so is golf. So is, so is uh, basketball. So is like think of any sport, anything that you like to do. Sugar is addictive. Caffeine's addictive. Um, you know, going outside is addictive. There's a lot of things that are addictive, right? But there's different levels of like, how bad is the effects from being addicted to it versus not? And actually, it's, I'm glad that Slum is in chat because he and myself actually have had a history of um, being involved with drugs. Now, in his case, I believe, and I don't want to speak for him, he had to uh, go through being sober himself. Whereas me, as you guys know, uh, who follow me, my mother was an alcoholic and died from pancreatic cancer. So like, I have a lot of history with alcoholism and addiction and stuff like that. So I'm very personally affected by addiction. In fact, I was very addicted to video games growing up. Now, the reason why I'm always just kind of like scratching my head when these kinds of things come up is that we've already established that video games don't cause violence, right? And so I would rather a kid be addicted to playing video games so he's safe and not harming other people rather than be addicted to drugs or addicted to something that could harm them, like joining a gang, because gangs are all around where I grew up, right? I knew people in them. Like that, it was addicting to be a part of a family, right? That's human nature. That's addicting, right? Joining a gang, like that's addicting. That kind of stuff, you know? It, getting caught on drugs, like selling drugs, that, that can be addicting in a bad way and ruin your life, you know? So like, that's what I think about when I think addictions. Now, again, I just said the word that I was addicted to gaming at one point. Now, what did I mean by that? Well, when I was a young kid, right, my parents were going through the divorce. I lived with my grandma and grandpa. My parents were never around. My dad was gone. I lived with my mother, but she was never around. She was always drinking, gone. So I would take myself to school, feed myself, raise myself practically. So I remember I would go to school and what I would do is I would just sleep pretty much all day in school. And it was because school was so easy for me and not challenging that I could kind of just half-ass it, right? And the reason why I would sleep was because I was so tired because I was up so late last night. So what I would do, because my grandpa, who I lived with, didn't let me play on computers, and I wanted to play Galaxies, rather, um, it wasn't Galaxies yet, it was um, Star Wars, sorry, Starcraft, and then um, Dark Eden and Habba Hotel, those three games. What I would do is I would wait till he would go to sleep at 10 p.m., um, then whenever he would go to sleep, I would get on and play for about four to five hours to about three to four a.m. Uh, and then I would go to sleep for three hours, wake up at six, and then I'd play two more hours before he'd wake up at eight. And then whenever he'd wake up at eight, then um, I would get off and then I would go to school. And I did that for days and days and days and days and days and weeks and months and months and skip school. I think my record in one year was like, 46 days or something like that like it was a legit problem for me but was it gaming or was it the fact that i had nobody watching out for me i had no parent supervision my parents weren't really there right was it that was it the fact that my mother wasn't around and wasn't caring for me and was an alcoholic you know what i'm saying so it's like all i'm saying is is like having been through actual addiction and through these problems and lived with it myself let me tell you, like at the end of the day, video games is a, a, a much nicer vice than the other ones can be. Now, that's why I actually care so much about things like loot boxes, though, is because I know that that stuff can actually trigger people into being addicted 
you know, like it creates gambling habits, especially for young kids who don't know what they're doing. And it's already proven to be a problem, right? uh, Companies like King, who are, (laughs) by the way, acquired by Activision Blizzard, one of the biggest mobile companies in uh, America, who literally prints money, um, had multiple lawsuits and problems. And so did Apple and so did Samsung Google, wherever, like these different stores because people were buying things that were free. People were then buying things on the store, like they were using their parents' credit cards. Kids were unsure of how to like spend money, what was not spending money. And a lot of like this misinformation existed because basically they can take advantage of those kids. And so like really like this whole Joe Rogan thing really for me is just what it's really about is at the end of the day, it's about like knowing what you want out of something, period. Right. So if you're playing games and you just do it casually a couple of hours a week and you're just playing for fun, then that's perfectly fine for you. Right. But maybe somebody else is trying to be a streamer and they play five hours a day because they're trying to pursue this passion or this this career. That doesn't mean that then everyone else has to do five hours because he wants to be a streamer. You get what I'm saying? Everybody else has their own goals and personal preferences. So like if you don't want to be a streamer, and maybe you shouldn't be playing five hours a day to stream. You know what I'm saying? Like, sounds silly, but it's true. It's like one of the things I talk to, I talk to my friends, I talk to people that I'm close to who um, deal with problems when it comes to gaming addiction. And what I tell them basically is this, like whenever you're playing a game, just be mindful about what you're playing and why you're playing it, whether it's just for fun. This helped me out a lot. Meaning like when you're playing a game, Think to yourself, I'm, I'm here to play this game and I'm here to have some fun, right? If that's what you're there to do, maybe you're there to get to a high ELO. Maybe you're trying to win a tournament. Maybe you want to go pro. Maybe you want to make videos. Like whatever your goal is, you have to stick to your own goal and kind of know what your own goals are. And so do I believe that it is good to spend 70 hours a week casually playing, casually playing video games, meaning like casually as in you're not really trying to get better at them? Hell no, that's a waste of time to me. Like even past like, to me, anything past like 15 hours, you should start actually caring about your time. Meaning like, it's not just a little bit of time. Maybe if it was like one, two hours a week, you'd play whatever, right? Like you don't think about it. But it's like, if you find yourself playing hours in a day, hours in a week for a long period of time, just at least be conscious of what you're doing. You know, like, what is my goal? I'm trying to get to the raid group this level i'm trying to get to x amount of elo and again like have a goal within the game don't just play the game for the sake of playing the game because that was one of the biggest mistakes i made growing up right with my problems with gaming just became it, it was my escape so i was just playing it to get away from everything else and you don't want gaming to become that for you where it's like it maybe if it's just one of your escapes but like if it's your only escape that's what creates addictive behaviors and problems and that sort of stuff so Video games aren't violent. Being addicted to video games is not a good thing, but most people aren't addicted to video games, right? They just like to play video games. They just like to play them a lot. And uh, for those people, which are most of you guys watching now, just be mindful of why you're playing it. For fun? Cool. Nothing wrong with that. Just have an idea of why, you know? And so I thought that obviously a lot of the comments uh, talking about this after, I can understand it. He kind of gave a little bit of an unfair comparison And he didn't fully explain what he was trying to say. But one thing that Joe has talked about in other podcasts, which people have to acknowledge, is he has had addictions with games before. So think about that. He's talking from his perspective of it's a problem for him. Not everybody is super well adjusted. Like some of us have problems. Some of us have a couple. Um, And uh, 
that keeps us from kind of like not adjusting in the best way. So that's another thing I think the context is really important about. I would attribute that to coping and just experiencing a happy reality. As a sergeant, I love when Marines play video games because it kept them out of trouble. Yeah, exactly. And that's what my dad used to tell me too, you know. I have no clue. Uh, it's just how it is. I mean, I don't know there's a discussion. <laughs> Sly. Hey, how's it going, Sly? NS Life Lessons, Creating Goals. Yeah, basically. It's just like, because I even see it in people I'm close to, you know. They'll, they'll put 30 hours a week into a game that they're playing ranked. And so I, I just ask, like, hey, like, are you trying to get to a certain ELO? Are you trying to go pro? Are you trying to, like, what's your goals? Because if your goals are just to play, maybe you shouldn't de dedicate so much time to something that you don't have goals for. That's all I'm trying to say, guys. I'm never going to be your dad here. You know, Sonny, don't play as much video games. Just be realistic with yourself, like. You're putting so much time into something that you have no goals in, that's probably not a very good use of your time, right? Whatever it is. 15 hours a week too much. I think I uh, use around three to four hours a day, maybe more on gaming, having a really good job and a wife. Yeah, I think 15 hours a week. I said that to, to give you guys like a casual example on purpose. Apparently there's a fly in my room. He's joining the podcast. But um, yeah, like, that's a super casual amount. I mean, like, I honestly, like, my game times aren't as much as they used to be, but, like, I would say, like, normally when I was, when I first started getting, like, into PC gaming, like, hard and, like, age 12, age 13, around there, I'd probably say I was at least putting in seven to eight hours a day, uh, or sorry, six hours a day on PC, and then probably another six to eight hours on my Xbox, so... Yeah, like when I was a kid, I would put in like 10 to 12 hour days all the time in the summer, all the time. And then even when I grew up, like later on, and I tried to become a pro in, um, well, I did become a pro, but I say try because the scene was a joke in Guild Wars 2. Um, and during that time, I was playing like two six hour blocks a day. So 12 hours, right? With a break in between. Yeah, it's a bit of projection slum. I think that's kind of what I was getting at. But there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you're just honest with it. And I think if when people take it into totality, they realize that sort of stuff. Um, but um, the reason why I think that's funny is because I found this. We're, we're trying to figure out the right way to do it, but we're going to set up a LAN party here. What game, though? You guys doing Fortnite? Is that all you guys are doing? I'm well, never going to be into that. I think, he, I think he... Online game looks so crazy good. And the fact that it's all web-based now. Come on. The food hey, chain. Hey. No, it's just badass. Um, another re rocket launcher will respawn. and Build forts. So it becomes changes, really. They just sort of change it so out. It's not about video games that I'm not autistic enough. <laughs> I think the best guys are going to be considered like chess players. Mm -hmm. I think it's like kind of the same thing. It's just chess is traditionally worshipped so like, as this He doesn't even game, fully agree right? with but I think just that, that one perspective people A lot people of video games, like StarCraft for sure, is like this really high-level strategy game. Like you're doing things and you're thinking on multiple levels about different parts of the board. This was two years ago, by the way. Different things that you're moving around. It seems to me to be like physically dynamic too because things are moving quick. Like you're, you're not... 
you're not in control of what your opponent is doing. So look, he's team gamer. And he when he was talking to um one of the guys that helped uh, at id or whatever, it used to be at id. Um was it Carmack? Was it Carmack that he talked to? Or I can't remember who he talked to, or if it was Romero, but he talked to somebody um that was at Oculus at the time. And he was talking about um how esports has blown up and it's like shocked him, you know? It's just like people are just getting used to the times as well. My personal opinion is as long as you've got a job and you maintain it as well as your family, then you can play as long as you can, as long as it does not affect those. Yeah, I think that's a very healthy way to look at it. Yeah, drugs are something that is dangerous with functioning lives or, or without. Yeah, and, and I think you know that slum because, well, we know that, that it's a slippery slope with drugs. That's why we're always like resistant to apply the same logic to drugs because then it's like for some people, it's not something you can just casually do. Like I would always get told um, by counselors and stuff like cocaine isn't a casual drug. You don't just <laughs> like, like it's not recreational. You know, it's not like, let me go do some cocaine just for fun. Like every couple of days, you know, it's not, it's not a casual drug. It's a hard drug, you know? So yeah, it's, it's not meant to be casual you know like taken or whatever soon there will be virtual gladiatory matches blood sports without the actual blood <laughs> i could see drugs being quite the slippery slope yeah they are absolutely um all right well, you guys have any more questions for me because otherwise i'm gonna head out we had a good podcast today i've enjoyed it we've we've been we've covered a different you know variety of topics like the mmo stuff we talked about some old games we you guys got me to watch x play videos which was hilarious and by the way thanks for the sub ghost lights that made it worth it right um you know i'm not the best at cringe that's why i said you guys have to sub if you guys want me to watch cringe shit because i'm just look I'll, i can i could be a sellout about that i'm not the best person at dealing with cringe <laughs> my question is why are you such a cutie uh I'm I'm not sure, man. Maybe your your they uh whatever um you prefer preferences are you like people who look like a caveman. Um Yo, how is uh DAP going? It's it's going great actually. In fact hey, I've thanks. started to um thank you for the sub by the way, Gaming Thunder. You listen, man, I appreciate that. Thanks for the hands. Twitch Prime subscription. Welcome to the Nor Club. Um, it's doing, it's doing great. We actually have our meetings now every Thursday and, um, we've been making some, um, pretty big decisions lately and I've actually already started to get my hands involved into the map design, level design stuff. So I've been in unity, uh, painting away, layering away, lots of layering for sure. But, um, it's been a fun process and it's just, uh, I love creating things. And I've always wanted to make a game. And I had a lot of experience doing RPG Maker as a kid. I just never completed a project. So, like, dealing with a tile map, tile set, and, you know, those types of things and, and the ability to paint them onto a um, a blueprint, if you will, or a map um, or a grid is something that even I have experience doing in construction, you know, like, in a different context. So it's, like, I, I enjoy doing it. It's actually fun. I, it's It's something I... I do have a caveman fetish. Damn, you're good. <laughs> Is the fictional MMO market larger than the actual MMO market? Um, you mean like a theoretical one? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Man. 
For sure. I would say so. You guys shit on me for enjoying dumb entertainment and uh, Nerd Slayer, but I would agree X-Play is a bad review channel. I just think it's funny that the personalities most of the time. They weren't obviously... They weren't always obviously faking enthusiasm. Yeah, no. It, just so you know, I'm not trying to say there was nothing redeemable about G4. I'm sure there were moments that I laughed, chuckled at, or maybe even found entertaining. I think my problem is largely their MMO reviews were absolutely, utterly shit. And that's why, like, everyone's, like, celebrating G4. And meanwhile, I'm, like, PTSD, like, the MMO reviews, like, uh, EverQuest with Wookiees, you know? Every, or, I think you mean ever. Ever plan on reviewing Dark Sun Online Crimson Sands? I don't even, I'm not even familiar with the game, I'll be honest. I enjoy people screaming at each other online. I mean, I sometimes I watch like Destiny. You guys know Destiny. He uh, streams on Twitch. Sometimes I watch like he'll do these debates where he'll like go into like enemy territory and it's just like him against like seven opposing opinions. I watch that sometimes because I think that's fucking entertaining for sure. Like to see someone just go in and have to like argue against a bunch of people. <laughs> um, but um, but is that something I watch every day all the time? No, I just don't look. I, I train for a living. I get choked for a living. I get punched, for, you know, for a living kind of thing. Like martial artists is, I don't make money from it, but it's part of my life. So I see it as my living, you know? So it's like a part of my everyday routine. So uh, I, I'm not always like motivated to want to go and get into massive arguments online and, and you know, join communities where I'm constantly debating and all of these sorts of stuff. Because I know... I, my followers would allow would want me to go after things more aggressively. I know they do. They always talk about it. Oh, you should talk about this game, or you should talk about this person, or this, you know, review, or this thing. And and I get that that does really well, but uh, I just don't have that much energy for all of that, honestly. There's so little info on that abandoned where it's pretty much forgotten history. The problem with a lot of those forgotten histories is they stay, uh, they will stay forgotten too, unless somebody had worked on it behind the scenes, you know? Portal and their scripted MMO, like Dark Age of Camelot, Machinimas, are really enjoyable for what I remember. Didn't they have MMO like Machinima things? Like the, the all night, up all night? Is that what it was just called? I was looking at it. That didn't seem that bad. I mean, it kind of seems more like an ad, but at least it's like better than the review. Are you looking forward to any game in the future? Maybe an MMORPG? I think my MMORPG that I'm looking forward to in the future hasn't been made yet. But the one, like if you're trying to ask like what's the magical MMO for me, it's a game that allows me to um, create a character, do a daily activity as my character in, in the form of the profession, choose who I want to align with and not align with, have a world that reacts to decisions, um, including an economy, including different professions that interact with each other and keep the economy and the ecosystem running. I want the kind of MMO that requires people to play the game together. The one that requires people to build cities together, to find a carpenter, to find a crafter, to find a cook, to find a dancer, to find someone that provides a skill that you just can't provide on your own because you can't do everything. So I like those kinds of games that have social situations and ecosystems already set up, right? Like it's already part of the game. Maybe you, like Galaxies did, um, it wasn't perfect, but it had the right idea with adding non-combatant roles. 
So I want to play the type of MMO experience that can be played by all of my friends. Like maybe my friends don't always want to go for full loop PVP runs, for, for example. They just want to kill some monsters. Well, great. I'd love to be able to play a game where we all could do that sort of stuff, right? I'd love to be able, be able to play a game where the friends who play with me don't just have to like a very specific style of game. So I guess um, in a way, I want games to be more specific in their ambitions in a particular way. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish? But at the end of the day, I also want a game that's not afraid to add other ways to play the game other than just bloodthirsty killing, right? So MMOs to me, like the most ideal sense, are something that a player can go find a play style, not combat, not a class, but find a play style that they want to fulfill, and they'll have a role that's useful and... um um. Uh, useful rather in the community and useful rather in their social circle, right? That's what I want to play. I, I want that kind of MMO, you know? Those kinds of games where I might have a friend who isn't the best player at a game, but he loves to trade. So I want a role for that guy. I want a role for somebody who maybe likes to play instruments and buff people, but doesn't really want to have to get their own hands dirty, right? So like, that to me is like the most ideal MMO experience is just like the books you read. It's, it's um you know, when you read... Uh, I don't know, like whatever your favorite story is. Let's use Lord of the Rings, right? Um, who are you playing as in Lord of the Rings? Are you Faramir, a ranger who, you know, is kind of like allied with um, Gondor and your brother is this really proud, like, you know, but that's a different role than maybe the ranger that is Dúnedain or um, uh, Aragorn, right? He's a, he's a ranger from a different area. He has a little bit different of a task. He does He's a ranger, but he does kind of different things in the game. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, to me, it's like you look at these different stories and books that you really like, and just imagine, just pick a random character. I want that to be a playstyle. You guys remember um, the blacksmith in Hobbit? Like, I want that to be a playstyle. You guys remember that there were goblins like living in that um, one cave in Hobbit, and they had to go kill the goblin king or whatever? I'd love for that to be in the game too. Maybe someone could even play as the Goblin King. Maybe goblins are actually somebody you can play as, for example. Um, something else. Uh, let's see. Um, you think about the one of the um, elves who lived in Rivendell, right? One of the guards. How cool would it be to be the guard of Elrond or the guard of some, you know, elf general or whatever, right? Like that's kind of what I think about when I think of MMOs. I literally just let my imagination kind of just run. Right? Like whatever game I like, whatever story I like, whatever universe I like, whatever, like whatever idea comes to mind. I just think like, I want that to be the basis of a world. Like, for example, like maybe a world is a steampunk world and it has big machines that you have to use to get around and all the suit is passing through the air. And so you need to cover your face. Otherwise, like you could potentially die from the poisoning. Kind of like Mistborn, right? Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn. Maybe that's the MMO world or universe that you create. And then therefore... When that world is created, you have to start to think about, okay, what are the things in that world that would make that world the way it is? And it's not just five classes. <laughs> it's not just six combat classes. It's not just three crafting professions. Like, those don't make an entire world, right? They make maybe just a, a small part of something. Ever, ever quite next promotional material. I like gaming with people who like being goofy. I'm, I'm the same way, Slum. In fact, look, 
you guys know about me. Like, I do like to try hard when I play my MMO games. Um, but I try hard in the sense that I'm always trying hard. It doesn't mean that I'm trying hard, like, the whole time. Because I'm actually pretty relaxed, generally, when I play. Because first off, it's not that serious. Most of the time, it's not that big of stakes anyway, right? So you can just sit back, enjoy yourself, have a good time, talk to people. And even if you lose, it's not the end of the world. You can move on. You'll be fine from it kind of thing, right? And, uh, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel that way as well. Where it's like, I would rather play with people who are funny, goofy laid back out of game and end game are like um willing to learn quick to learn and just very um motivated i would rather take that person than the person who's the god player in game but has horrible comms or is very arrogant or is not accepting or is overly elitist you get what i'm saying it and it's because I've had so much experience playing games where pretty much only elite players played them. Like, I've talked about Darkfall. It's a game that's, like, basically Quake Online, the MMO, right? It's a game not many people play. When you play games like that, you're used to a lot of elitist-style players, right? Like, players who basically, at the top level, all dedicate insane amounts of hours to even just be competitive. And so everybody else ends up kind of not the least bit being competitive, right? There's a difference between being between trying hard and being a tryhard. I agree, and, that, and that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at too, Slim. So I agree. Like, trying hard is what you do, like whenever you want to put yourself into something, right? Like you try hard, like you want it to be your best performance, whether it's a presentation, your job, whether it's a, a game. But being a tryhard is like. The kind of personality where you can't have fun unless you're winning, which, by the way, is not really a realistic mentality because you're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot, especially in life. So, like, you kind of have to get used to losing. It doesn't mean you have to enjoy it, but it means you just have to know that maybe that's going to be part of it, right? I try hard not to be too obnoxious and to help people at times. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. Um, we should just have a Mistborn talk or just Sanderson's work in general. Yeah, we should for sure. And, you know, Mistborn's one of my favorite books, actually, the first one especially. And I think that that would be a great uh, a great universe for um, a game. And, I mean, I take a lot of inspiration from that with our project, I can say, um, because I really enjoy the way that magic in that universe is very grounded in reality and within the world, you know? And so, like... Um, you think about all the characters that it takes to make up a movie like a Star Wars trilogy or Lord of the Rings. How many of those characters do you not know the names of? Loads of them, right? Because not everybody is a hero, or at least a hero like Legolas or like Gimli or like Darth Vader or like, you know, uh, Rey or like what, what Luke Skywalker, whatever characters, villains, heroes, like not everybody is going to be that like level of notoriety. Right. And so maybe you have like Sessler said Tauntaun handler number four. But why does it matter if you don't want to be Tauntaun number four when maybe somebody else wants to? And that's kind of the problem with how LucasArts ended up treating galaxies in the end was that they kind of steamrolled the people who actually just wanted to be Uncle Owen and have their own farm. 
they use that as a way to argue against it. They said nobody wants to just be Uncle Owen and Aunt May and sit on a farm and with their moisture farm and and get resources, right? Nobody wants to do that. Well, actually, a good amount of people did want to do that. In fact, it was a very popular part of the game. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it goes back to that kind of stuff. I play games as a character, and I mean goofing when the timing is perfect or planning goofy raids on people, being weird in towns or at an enemy base, but also being a serious PvP group or running a trial seriously, but take, but still taking a, la- a laugh when things go awry. Yeah, for sure. And let me tell you guys, like I get beat up in real life like pretty regularly, and um, if you want to get good at something, especially like getting beat up or martial arts, you're going to have to get used to getting beat up and losing. Like, trust me. Like, I'm... Like, I, I can't wait to show you guys some of the footage of me rolling, like, sometime. Like, some more footage of me rolling. Because you guys can see me getting beat. Like, and that happens to everybody who trains martial arts. We all get beat. It's no different in a PvP game, right? It's no different in any kind of game. Like, everybody loses. Even the best players lose. The level 60 nerf herder. <laughs> I prefer The Way of Kings, but Mistborn is solid. I still haven't read The Way of Kings, and I've, me- I've meant to. Um, anybody else have anything for me? Look at me, I'm already starting to lean over. You can tell I'm getting tired. <laughs> the stretch. And the yard, too. Well, I hope you guys have a good rest of your Monday, good rest of the 27th of July. It's almost the end of this month. It's about to be, this was the last podcast of the month, I should say. Um, So I would like to thank everybody for joining me on episode 89 of the podcast today. Um, We talked about a lot of different things. We had some funny uh, reactions uh, to the exploit stuff. And um, yeah, so it's it's been a fun, wacky podcast, been a fun day. And, uh, just need more cavemen to be honest and got to find it elsewhere. Yeah. Like there's one thing about me is you guys are going to have to earn it. <laughs> Thought by far my favorite hard magic system is sympathy from King killer Chronicles. Ooh, I like the King killer Chronicles. Actually. I, I, I listened to that whenever I was driving up to Colorado a while back. Keep up the great work. I really love your content. Thanks. Uh, Fragtron. Fragfortron, however you'd like for me to pronounce your name. Thank you, Tiny2K. I appreciate the 500-bit donation. Also, earlier, I think Heal donated another 100-bit donation. I appreciate that. You guys make me stream. Like, honestly, y'all make the podcast keep going because, like, I don't do it for money, but the fact that I can make enough to at least buy myself a meal each time I do a podcast makes me a lot more willing to do more of them. So I appreciate the support, everybody, um, and I appreciate for those who can't afford to Uh, contribute in the way of you know monetary value don't worry like it's okay i've been poor before i've probably been poorer than most of you in fact it's okay i totally understand you not having the money to be able to uh help you know me or whatever else because it's not your job to have to help me but you guys can just support my content just be active in my chat you can just post in my discord you can just like my videos you can watch my videos you can give me feedback you can tell me what you'd like to see me work on in the future that's the kind of stuff that you can contribute to if you don't have the the means, the monetary means. So if you're a poor college student, been there. Um, if you're a poor adult, still there. <laughs> Personally, I totally understand. I would never want you guys to give me anything that you don't feel comfortable giving me. 
So anyway, just wanted to say that uh, at the end of the podcast. Thank you everybody again for stopping by. We'll see you guys next week and the next podcast, or rather the next death of a game, as you guys know at this point, as it was announced on our community page, is Mixer. So we will be covering Mixer. And I'll say it now that I was fortunate enough to talk to a developer from Mixer. So we're going to have a lot of good shit to report on and a lot of good behind the scenes, I would I would argue, behind the scenes information concerning Mixer. And honestly, what started as I'm just covering Mixer became, wow, I'm covering Mixer. This is, it's a very interesting story and I can't wait for you guys to be able to see that and experience that. So anyway, I will see you guys later. Peace.